0: I considered myself an active duty soldier. I was at war, and everything I did I considered an act of war. James Meredith. This was the Ole Miss Riot of 1962, and this is the good, the bad, and the pure evil. So it begins in 1954. The US Supreme Court ruled that segregation in schools in public schools was unconstitutional. It was known as Brown v. Board of Education. Move forward eight years and every school district in Mississippi was still segregated. Any attempts by African-American students to enroll in the University of Mississippi or Ole Miss failed. In 1961, President John F. Kennedy entered the White House promising advances in civil rights. Shortly after this, James Meredith applied to Ole Miss. James was African American and he had served in the Air Force and completed coursework at Jackson State University. James chose Ole Miss as it was seen as white prestige and power university, attended by children of the elite. James did not tell the University of his race until midway through application. Once that came up, well, officials blocked and delayed his application by 20 months. James sued the University. Months of drawn-out obstruction in the Fifth Circuit Court had James appealed to the Supreme Court. September 10, 1962, the ruling came James Meredith was to be admitted for the fall semester. Now, Mississippi segregationist governor Ross Barnett had a law passed barring the university enrolling anyone who is charged with a, quote, moral turpitude, unquote. And what's a moral turpitude? Basically, a crime involving lying. So this was passed and then Barnett had James arrested for such a charge, because James, while registered to vote, wrote 1960 and not 1961. And for that he was arrested, but the Fifth Circuit had him released soon after. US General Attorney Robert Kennedy gave orders that the Department of Justice, DOJ, come into play on James's behalf. With contempt charges and possibility of jail, the university gave its power and liability to Governor Barnett. James went to Ole Miss campus to register, but Barnett blocked him. James tried again, this time with DOJ Civil Rights Chief John Doar and Chief US Marshal James McShane, and again he was blocked by Barnett. At another try, he was stopped by Lieutenant Governor Paul Johnson Jr. and lines of state troopers. The Kennedy brothers wanted a peaceful outcome; they didn't want another Little Rock crisis. They were warned a mini civil war might erupt between federal troops and armed protesters. Robert Kennedy would call Barnett to try to solve the problem peacefully. September 27. Barnett gave his solution. James could enroll if federal marshals aimed the guns at Barnett, having it look like he had no choice, and this would look good to voters. Kennedy rejected this idea. So Kennedy spoke to Barnett about the enrollment of James and insisted Barnett pledge to maintain law and order. The Kennedys threatened with federal force which Barnett thought was all talk. President Kennedy even had talks with Barnett about James's safety. On these calls, Barnett seemed to agree and be compliant, but to the public, he stood strong on the idea of the university being segregated. September 28, the Fifth Circuit said Barnett was in contempt and, dreth- and threatened jail time and a fine of $10,000 a day if James wasn't registered by October 2nd. On September 29th at a football match, Barnett gave a speech in defiance. Kennedy federalized the National Guard after this. Rumors swirled the Kennedys had federal agents getting ready to arrest Barnett. Hearing this, the white supremacists came to Barnett's mansion and did what they called a quote a wall of human flesh, end quote, where 2,000 people surrounded Barnett to protect him. But the rumours were all talk. Feeling violence was possible at Ole Miss, over 180 journalists swarmed to be at James's next enrollment ta- attempt. So, with Barnett and Kennedy's plan, September 30th, James Meredith was flown to Oxford. A little before 7pm, James was escorted by 24 federal marshals to a dormitory which was guarded. The university's admin building was made the operation's headquarters. Barriers were put up and only students and staff were allowed in. As the afternoon turned to evening, students gathered outside Lyceum building. As evening went into the night, the crowd became rowdy. Edwin Walker, former Mayor General, came to hype up the mob. Earlier in the day he spoke on the radio, appealing for 10,000 to rally for freedom of Ole Miss. James arrived and within an hour a riot erupted. As it grew more out of control, the highway patrol came to hold off the crowd. But come half seven, police were withdrawn, federal officers abandoned the area, and the barriers were dismantled, allowing a large angry group to pass. Kennedy ordered no firing for any reason unless James was in immediate danger. As the mob reached 2500, violence was at boiling point. Reporters were attacked. Molotov cocktails thrown, acid bottles launched at marshals. The scene was pure chaos reporters and marshals wounded ran to the shelter in the lyceum just coming up to 8 p.m chief marshal james mcshane ordered tear gas to be fired into the mob at 11 pm barnett gave a radio address this was his moment tell them to calm down tell them to walk away but no He instead added fuel to a raging fire, calling out, we will never surrender. Rioters tried twice to drive a bulldozer into marshals, and others got their hands on a fire engine. Street lamps were smashed or shot to limit visibility. Cars were burnt. Labs raided for more materials to make more Molotov cocktails and acid bottles. From the dark, rioters shot at the marshals, who never returned fire. Many were wounded. At one in the morning, a reporter, Carl Fleming, just missed three shots from a sniper and a car with reporters inside was flipped. The crowd now grew to 3,000, becoming more and more violent. Federal agents ran out of tear gas. Kennedy had no choice. He had to invoke the Insurrection Act of 1807. This gives the president the power to deploy military and federalize the National Guard. So that button was pressed, sending reinforcements. Before military support came, rioters were roaming about and found James in Baxter Hall and started to attack the building. Early morning, the help arrived. A white mob attacked their cars, setting them on fire. 25,000 arrived, evacuating wounded and arresting rioters. By the end of the 15th hour, the riot was over. 160 federal agents were injured, along with 40 federal and national guardsmen. Two civilians were murdered in the riot. French journalist Paul Goodhart and Ray Gunter Who was at the campus just for nosy. The killings were said to be execution style. The day after the riot Barnett called the DOJ and gave an olive branch. He'd pay for James education, but it had to be out of state. This was rejected. October 1st 1962, James Meredith became the first African American to enroll at the University of Mississippi and began his first class. His admission marked the first integration of a a public education facility in Mississippi. But chaos wasn't over yet. Rumors of dynamite in Baxter Hall were looked into. On October 31st, troops and campus police found grenades, gasoline, rifles, and other weapons. Racism persisted with state attorneys saying not to interact with the intruder. Hundreds of troops still guarded James 24-7. And to keep local sensitivities happy, 4,000 black soldiers were removed from federal troops under Robert Kennedy's secret orders. Press coverage was positive to the Kennedys, looking over poor planning and execution Their handling of the whole event angered whites and blacks across the site. Robert Kennedy apparently blamed himself for failing to stop the riot. A subcommittee was to investigate the riot, but Barnett got this to go away. Instead, Mississippi Legislate and Lafayette County Grand Jury investigated, blaming marshals and the DOJ. November 1962, Mississippi Senate called to impeach Kennedy, claiming he incited the riot. The event is seen as a changing moment in the civil rights in the U.S. It's seen as a moment that the federal government stood for racial justice. It's also seen as a huge victory against white supremacy. Because of the civil rights significance of James' admission, The Lyceum building where the riot took place has been designated as a National Historic Landmark. A statue of James is on campus to commemorate his historic role. James Meredith is still alive today at the impressive age of 89. And that is the story of Ole Miss riot of 1962. Hit that like and subscribe button or check out my podcast ring the hell out of that little bell and join me next time for the story of john straffin a british serial killer who was the longest serving prisoner in british history summer 1951 he killed two girls but was found unfit to plead at trial so was put in boardmore hospital he was fit enough to escape in 1952 when he killed again would he be unfit this time Until then, this was the good, the bad, and the pure evil.